Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Year in Review Regional Roundtable series, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. My name is Kato Aerts, partner at Lydian in Belgium. The ELA Global Employment Law Year in Review series is classically our most popular series of the year, focusing on the most impactful regulations of past year and forecasting what employers can expect in the current year. Joining us today from our European region is Christopher Peitsch, Senior Associate at Serha Hempel in Austria. Hello, Christopher. So good to see you here and it's your birthday. So happy birthday. First of all, thank you for joining us on this very special day. How are you? Thank you for having me, Kato. And also thank you for the birthday wishes. I'm fine. And as usual, I'm working on my birthday as it's the best thing you can do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a good way to start the year for sure. So let's go over what has happened in Austria past year and what you expect to happen next year. What are the trends and topics that employers are facing in 2023 in Austria? I would say that overall, the economic situation is more or less difficult for all employers and the reason for various topics that are going on at the moment or that are trendy at the moment. Some of the employers in Austria are, for example, still using short-time work, which basically in Austria means that Employees are working much less, like 80 or 90% less, for example. And authorities will subsidize a part of the remuneration to be paid to the employee. Originally, this short-term work was used for COVID and COVID-related impacts, but now it's also for other economic difficulties, for example, for shortages in supplies or raw materials, or also with regard to consequences resulting out of limited cargo shipping. That's probably not the main issue as it's just limited to specific business areas. But there are also other things that can be seen. For example, Austria depends heavily on energy imports, gas imports, and so on from Russia, which not only leads to a significant increase in prices, but of course also to uncertainties. And it's possible that at some point of time, the supply stops. So that then could lead, for example, to temporary shutdowns of operations or to high costs for energy. So that employers should somehow try to deal with that before it actually happens. I think overall, if you have a look at the Austrian employment market, there is a quite bizarre situation because we have a lot of companies that need to restructure or that need to significantly reduce the workforce on the one hand. On the other hand, there are a lot of employers throughout all business sectors that are not able to find suitable employees. So... If we have a look at what we are doing at the moment from a lawyer point of view, um, we are advising a lot of companies when it comes to termination cases, but also transfer of undertakings. And I expect that to continue in 2023. So far, there is no argument that would indicate that this will change in the next couple of months. Another thing that is also sometimes linked to the issue of finding employees is vocation or cross-border service provision is just becoming more and more popular in Austria. Interesting. So there is work on the two sides of the spectrum, hiring and firing. I guess that keeps us busy as employment lawyers, right? You were mentioning the energy crisis, which I think is very interesting. Are there any ways for employers in Austria to prepare and try to mitigate those risks? I think so. And I mean, of course... We are at the beginning of that and practice will show us what works and what doesn't work. But from my point of view, it's definitely recommended to start preparing as soon as possible because, as I said, there are two things that might happen. One thing that will definitely happen is that the energy costs for heating and also for electricity and so on will be higher this year. 
So especially employers with huge buildings will have an impact. That's the one thing. And the other thing that if it comes to the point where supply is actually stopped and operations, for example, have to be closed, then if there is no measure taken by the employer, then it will probably be necessary for the employer to close the operation and to pay the employees nevertheless. So these are things that employers could prepare for by various steps. For example, it is possible to conclude home office agreements already now because there was a change in law about a year ago saying that home office agreements need to be in writing. So if you already decide to conclude such agreement now, it will be there once you need it. So that's definitely something that should be done as soon as possible. And what should also be agreed is who bears the energy costs at home because there is no legal regulation. So that's probably the main question that will come up if the energy crisis continues. Then another potential way would be, for example, to agree on a four-day work week because if you just have an operation for four days, you can save energy on the fifth day, obviously. But you also need a shop agreement with the Works Council or a written agreement with the employees if no Works Council has been established. So also that is nothing that you can decide on a Friday night and it will be enforceable from Monday. And then there are, of course, two other ways to deal with the situation where the company might have to actually shut down the operation for a specific period of time. First would be the agreement of a company holiday so that the operation is actually shut for up to two weeks based on the rulings of the Austrian Supreme Court. And employees will use their own vacation instead of being paid for not having to work. So that also helps the employer to save money. And on the other hand, for example, if there are entitlements to time off in lieu for overtime work that was provided, it's also possible to agree that such time off is, is consumed during times where the operation has to be reduced or closed. I think one of the interesting points you mentioned as well as a four-day work week, that's something we've had in, in Belgium recently implemented, but that is really to accommodate employees who prefer to work a bit more on four days of the week and then have three days off every week. So that's interesting as well. Let's talk about those incentives for employees, because another issue you, you mentioned is the employer's difficulty to find new employees. How can employers motivate their employees and keep them in the long term? Yeah, as you just mentioned, the four-day week is often used to motivate employees. And that's also something that we see in Austria. And as I said in the beginning, there are a lot of companies looking for employees, not just because they need new ones, but also because it's becoming more and more difficult to actually retain the ones you already have. And so that's, of course, the one issue behind it is that there is just a significantly lower amount of applicants. I don't know where they are. I think no one knows. But it's also often the case that there are attractive competitors like startups, for example, that try to, to get as many benefits for employees as possible. And other employers therefore have to, let's say, copy that basically. So in the end, the employers, from my point of view, do need to find a way to motivate employees to stay or to join. And I see various options for that. For example, something that is important to a lot of especially younger employees in Austria is flexibility. So you have to offer flexible working time systems like systems in which employees can within the framework, but nevertheless, freely decide when to start work, when to end work, on which day do I want to work for eight hours or 10 hours and so on. So as long as the average is fine. Then, of course, as mentioned, the four-day week is also an issue here because if employees want a longer weekend, that's also something that can be offered here. 
then something that a lot of companies try to do is some kind of job sharing because there are a lot of employees in Austria that don't want to work full-time anymore. So then they try to more or less have two or three employees doing the same job or the same having the same position, basically, and just sharing it. There is no legal framework for that, and I think it's not quite tricky. It's basically just two or more part-time positions that are doing the same in the end. But something that's also important, and it's also a question of culture, more or less, is, is home office. Before COVID, there were a lot of companies that were strictly against home office because they always think home office means they are not working, especially if it's a Friday. It's like a three-day weekend and so on. That changed, not in all areas and, and not with all employers, but there is a demand. And I, I know that a lot of applicants are actually requesting home office and are not taking a job if they know that there is no option for home office. And as already mentioned, that's also something where the employer needs to be active by means of concluding an agreement. A written agreement is required, and usually all of the work equipment must be provided, or at least the employer must pay for it. What needs to be taken into account when, when agreeing on home office is also that in Austria, basically every employment relationship is more or less covered by a collective bargaining agreement. And these agreements do also include provisions on home office, so it must be checked to which amount the employee and the employer are actually flexible to agree on individual provisions or whether it's regulated anyway. And then something else that, as I also mentioned in the beginning, becomes more and more important is vacation. At least that's how it's called in Austria. And it basically means that employees can combine vacation and work, for example, if they want to visit their family in whichever country and stay a little longer to work there. That's something that a lot of employers start to offer or maybe even have to offer because of competitors. It's something from a legal point of view that is difficult, at least in Austria, because there is no regulation. But there are, of course, a lot of questions like, for example, whether there are some kind of reporting obligations or record keeping obligations. The application of social security law is difficult. So when implementing vocation, I strongly recommend to check with a lawyer and to identify potential issues and problems and try to deal with that as good as possible. We usually recommend to limit it to the European Union, as at least with regard to social security law, it shouldn't be that much of an issue, but it must be checked in detail on the basis of the individual case. Well, that all sounds very familiar, I must say, Christopher. I think these are things that employers in Belgium are also looking into, and it really comes down to you know, increasing the work-life balance and allowing for flexible work. I've heard the phrase once, employees do not live to work. But then the second part is, but they do work to make a living. So I was wondering, in terms of remuneration-related options, are there any ways to encourage employees to stay? And what are the recommended schemes in terms of employee participation and bonuses in Austria? Of course, remuneration is also a leverage that employers try to use to get good stuff and to keep good stuff. There are various systems and all of them are allowed, I would say, from a legal point of view. But of course, there are always some issues to be considered. One of the systems that are implemented by a lot of clients, for example, are some kind of employee participation programs, like the employee will get the specific percentage of the turnover he or she makes or of the turnover of the entire company and so on. Comparable systems are stock option plans or employee share options or phantom shares. All of that works. 
and of course there's also not a completely different system or comparable but still different system which is a performance orientated bonus like for example a bonus that is due if specific targets are met either operational targets or personal targets both is possible the main problem or difficulty with regard to these bonus agreements is that of course there are limitations for the employer regarding the terms and conditions so for example something that a lot of employers want to do is some kind of good lever bad lever situation where employees that for example terminate on their own before the cause shall not get any bonus and for example that doesn't really work in Austria with regard to some of these bonuses it works with stock option plans if specific requirements are met but it doesn't work for example with regard to a performance related bonus then also something that can't be agreed for example is an attendance bonus where the employee is only getting money if he or she is not sick or not on vacation or whatever yeah and especially with regard to the performance related bonuses it's really important and that's something that a lot of employers do wrong all the time to actually agree on on targets at the beginning of every year because otherwise it will be unclear what kind of targets need to be achieved and in the best case it will be the targets of last year which probably is something realistic but it can also be something completely else and so if you do not actively agree on targets you take the risk that in the end the targets will be determined by a court in addition to these bonus schemes that i just referred to there's at the moment also another option which is in german called teuerungsprämie and it's basically an inflation bonus so the austrian state allows employers to pay a bonus up to 3000 euro if specific requirements are met and this bonus will be tax free and also free of social security contributions and for now the main criterion in order to actually be able to pay the entire amount of 3000 euro is that either all employees get this bonus or there are at least some kind of objective groups of employees that are entitled to this bonus That's very interesting. So that's Austria's way of combating inflation and making sure that people have some purchase power left. Yeah, it's not the only one. Maybe it's a good idea or a good thought. There is also other ways to deal with inflation, which comes along with the normal collective bargaining agreement negotiations that are going on on an annual basis. Because of course the salaries are increased this year. It's higher than usual. Usually, I would say it's like two to three percent. And now it's like six to ten, depending on the business area. But also some other collective bargaining agreements do now foresee a reduced normal working hours. So it's like not forty hours anymore, but thirty-eight point five, but keeping the same salary. So that's also some kind of increase of salary. Okay, interesting. Well, the increase of wages is also something that happens in Belgium. It's automatic indexation, and we are up to eleven and a half percent in some sectors, which is of course quite substantial. Are there any upcoming legislative changes regarding employment law in Austria that we should be aware of? The main change will be the whistleblowing hotline act basically, whistleblower protection act. We are talking about this for like two or three years at least I would say, and Austria so far did not comply with the requirements of the European Union to actually implement the law, but it is expected that this will happen in the first quarter of 2023, so should be in force quite soon and just a brief reminder of what we are talking about the whistleblower protection act basically intends to protect individuals who report violations against union law and or austrian law and the main purpose basically is that the one 
who blows the whistle, the whistleblower shall not have to fear any kind of retention measures like, for example, discrimination, mobbing, suspension, denial of promotion or termination. For now, it will be mandatory to establish an according hotline for employers that have at least 50 employees. And yeah, the main objective for the employers will be to implement such hotline that actually meets the requirements set forth by law. Also, that is very similar in Belgium. It's, of course, a European directive. So all of that rings a bell. <laughs> Thank you so much, Christopher. I think that's all the time we have today. But first and foremost, it's time for you to go celebrate your birthday and do some fun stuff. But thank you so much for your insights. It was really a pleasure to speak with you, as always. You too. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to connect with Christopher, please click on his bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. Information about all the programs available in the 2023 Year in Review series can be accessed in the notes of this podcast. You've been listening to the Year in Review Regional Roundtable, a series brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Kato Arts. Thanks for listening.